A blessed new year to everyone. Welcome to our first NMEC online worship for 2021. Whether you are part of our faith family or someone shared this link with you, we are so glad that you are joining us. 2020 may be a year that we would rather forget, but let us not forget the lessons that God wanted us to learn. Just as everything in this world is an ending, so do pandemics. Until then, may we be sustained and made strong by what we celebrate every time we come together, that God is with us as we are one in Him. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So may we look forward by faith to this new year with the hope that is in us so that we can bravely face and overcome all the new challenges that 2021 brings. As we begin, our worship leader, Sister Pam, will lead us in singing by faith. For those who know the song, let us join her in singing as a way to prepare our hearts, not only to worship God, but also to listen to what He wants to say to us today.
If I went to the grocery store to buy a can of sardines, but on the shelves, I found out that all the labels of the canned goods were taken out. The labels are gone. They are missing. How can I tell which one is which? It is the label that differentiates one kind of product from another kind. Without the label, we don't know what kind of canned goods this is. When people look at Christians, what's the label that they should see? Reverend Edmund Chan once said that the greatest crisis or the greatest problem of Christianity today is that we have lost our branding. The label that we use, Christian, is no longer descriptive of what it should be. When people look at Christians, they don't see any difference anymore from those who are not Christians. So what happened? I believe it's because we ourselves have a wrong concept of what the label should be. Some people equate being a Christian as someone who has received Jesus in their life, have prayed the prayer of acceptance, and that's already a Christian to them. But not, that's not the proper label that the Bible gave. I looked up several definitions of what the word Christian should be, and this is the best I found. A Christian is a person who believes in and follows Jesus Christ. Note that there are two components here, believe and follow. And both should be seen on the label, a believer in Jesus and a follower of Christ. But we don't see that today. We only get half of the label. We often stop with believe in Jesus without following him. Now, can you be a Christian and not follow Jesus? Can you be called a Christ follower and not follow Christ? I guess this is contradictory. 
This is an oxymoron. For how can you say you are a Christian when there's no evidence in your life to support that? When the label that people see in your life is different? How then can we identify a true disciple or follower of Jesus Christ? That's our theme for this new year 2021. Discipling the nations, finishing the mission. This is actually the culmination of a four-part, four-year series starting with Going Deeper, Growing Stronger in 2018 where we laid down or built the foundation of our faith. In 2019, we have worked out to live out and that's how to exercise and strengthen our faith. Then last year, we have renewed hearts, transformed lives on applying or living out that faith in our life, in our character, in our relationships, in our ministry, in our missions. But why do we need to have sound doctrine? Why do we need to engage in spiritual disciplines? Why do we need to have life transformation and to live out our faith? It is so that others may see Christ in us, so that others may know that we are Christ followers, that it's our label. You see, you don't become a Christian just for the sake of becoming a Christian. You don't become a Christ follower just for yourself, just so you would know more about the Bible for yourself, just so you would bear fruit for yourself. It does not end there. The fruit is there so that others may see and that they may also want to follow Christ because they have seen the difference in you. You do those things in order to pass on your faith to the person following you. That's where discipleship comes in. That's where we lack as a church. We are like sponges that absorb and absorb. We know a lot here in the head, yet we don't share and invest them in the lives of others. We don't pass on to those who come after us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 tells us, And the things you have heard me, that's the Apostle Paul saying to Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Note that there's four generations of believers here. The Apostle Paul to Timothy, to reliable people, to those they teach. Now, how many years have you been a Christ follower? How many spiritual children or spiritual grandchildren do you have? Or are you still a baby? You know, this is discipleship. It is investing the gospel in someone else's life, someone who is going to invest in others as well. I have to admit that I have not been discipled before, and I regret that fact. From the age of 14, when I first truly understood what it meant to follow Christ and accepted Jesus in my heart, I studied the Bible for myself. I joined fellowships and summer camps, and I tried to grow by myself. I'm not saying this to put the blame on anybody. We cannot change the past but we can change the future. And I don't want what happened to me to happen to any one of you. 
if given the opportunity to go back in time, I would have pursued discipleship more. In fact, last year, I joined a pastor's mentoring group, and I look forward to learn more about how to disciple others. This year, I plan to invest more time to disciple the next generation of leaders. For those of you who are watching, I believe that many of you, just like me, you have never been discipled in your life. And we are going to change that starting this year. I know it's been long overdue, but here's what I want to challenge us today going forward. Join me as we go back to the path of discipleship, to the roots of the early church. How different our church would be if we just get serious about making disciples. I believe we will see a revival. I believe a return to discipleship will bring about a 21st century reformation of the church. Before Jesus went back to heaven, he left us with two major commands. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the first one, the greatest commandment. It is actually a summary of all the other commands. And the second one, before he ascended, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. That's a great commission. Every miracle Jesus performed, every lesson he taught, every healing he did, all have led to this one final command. This is the mission given to all believers. This is the mission given to all churches, all mission agencies, all parachurch organizations. And Jesus himself wrote this mission statement for us. And that's the only thing that he wants us to be doing before he returns. That's the only thing that matters to him. Someday when we get to heaven and stand before our Lord Jesus Christ, he will not be impressed with how big our church is or how fast our ministries grow or how much money we have. But how well have we obeyed his final word? Or in essence, have we made his final words, the Great Commission, our first work or our first priority. Hopefully, may we be able to say that we did. That's why starting this year, we are making this shift to do what is most important, to do what NMEC was called to do. Today, I will just give an overview of this topic. We'll be going deeper into it throughout the first half of this year. Let me start by asking you, how many of you can confidently say that you are a true Christian? Now, next question. How many of you can confidently say that you are a disciple of Jesus? Now, what's the difference? Is there a biblical distinction between being a Christian and being a disciple? Are they not one and the same? Can you be a Christian without being a disciple? Is there a distinction between a Christian and a disciple? It is interesting to note that in the New Testament, we can find the word Christian only three times. Now, can you guess how many times you can find the word disciple? 269 times. 
So what is a disciple anyway? Next week, Reverend Anthony will define this for us. I'm thinking, maybe the reason why many people in the church today are not making disciples is because they are not really disciples in the first place. Many people in our churches have missed the point. A lot of it has to do with the false gospel that we teach them. Pray this prayer, accept Jesus Christ into your heart, invite Jesus Christ into your life. You are now a Christian. You are insured from the fires of hell. Then they go about living their old life. But discipleship is not simply a decision you make to accept Jesus and get to heaven. That's conversion. That's salvation. That's only the first step in your Christian journey. Salvation is Christ dying on the cross for you. Whereas discipleship is you taking up the cross for Christ. There is a difference between the two, between how you become a Christian and how you live once you have become a Christian. Being a Christian should encompass all this, not just the salvation or the justification part, but also the sanctification or the discipleship part. When the gospel calls us to salvation, it also calls us to discipleship. You cannot have one without the other. No, except, no exceptions, no excuses. Whatever vocation you are in, your calling is not just to be a businessman or a doctor or a teacher or an engineer. You are first and foremost a disciple of Jesus, and your calling is to be one. All Christians should be disciples of Jesus. Sadly, not all are. Many stopped with this salvation part. Now, where does discipleship fit in the picture? Discipleship is the God-ordained means by which new believers are sanctified. Through discipleship, new believers are taught through personal instruction and example how to walk in the newness of life. Therefore, no discussion of the sanctification process would be complete without mentioning the importance of discipleship. The two, sanctification and discipleship, they are interdependent. You cannot have one without the other. We focus many times too much on the conversion, on the salvation part, that we forget the discipleship or the sanctification part. You know, from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry up to the very end, making disciples has always been the DNA of his earthly ministry. When he first called the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's being a disciple and being a disciple maker. Because to be a disciple involves making disciples. And in the very end, he told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. So making disciples is part of the DNA of his earthly ministry. Making disciples is a natural overflow of being a disciple. And this is for every follower of Jesus Christ, not just for pastors. Every believer should be investing in the life of someone else. Many people find it difficult to go into discipleship. They would give all these excuses. 
I want to follow, but that, that, that. At the end of Luke chapter 9, Jesus challenged three individuals on discipleship. The first, starting with verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Parang kanta, no? Sister Ak, Whoopi Goldberg. He seems eager and willing to follow Jesus. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Why such strange answer? Bible scholars would suggest that this first man was an aspiring lawyer. He wanted to follow Jesus for personal reasons, for personal agenda, for personal gains. He wanted to gain a higher social status knowing that Jesus has a huge following among the crowd. Now Jesus knew his heart and challenged him with that one thing he knew he was not willing to give up. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you are not guaranteed a roof over your head. You are not guaranteed the comforts of life. Being a disciple is not a path to more comforts or more convenience. Being a disciple would lead to self-denial. And that's one reason why many people don't become a disciple. They choose personal comfort over following Christ. And we see a lot of those in the church today. They will follow, they will serve, they will attend only if they are not inconvenienced. How about you? Are you going to choose the comforts of this world? Or are you going to choose the cross? Second man, verse 59. He said to another man, Jesus said to another man, Follow me, he replied. Lord, I will, but, you see that word again? But first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Scholars debate whether or not this guy's father has, had died yet or not. Some believe that his father was just about to die and he wanted to go spend the last couple of days with him, give him a proper burial, then he would follow Jesus. Now, Jesus said, let somebody else do the funeral. There are more important things for you to focus on. At first, I cannot imagine hearing Jesus say that. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. It seems so insensitive. It's, it seems so uncaring of Jesus to say that. Now, I believe what's happening here is that Jesus saw the man's motive. Why did this man want to go home and bury his father? Most probably, it's not out of filial piety or obligation. Most probably, it is because he wanted to get his part of the inheritance. He chose personal security first. He wanted to be financially stable first before following Jesus. And we also see a lot of that in churches today. When following Jesus comes in conflict with work, with business schedule, with meeting clients, which comes first? Would you choose to follow Christ over your own 
personal security. Third man, verse 62. Still another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but, that word again, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. You may say, nothing wrong with that, right? It's reasonable. Now what's Jesus' answer? No one who puts a hand in the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Sounds harsh, right? The third man was actually choosing personal relationships over following Jesus. And Jesus is simply saying that following him requires an undivided heart. I know many of you, even right now, you are multitasking between your cell phone, between social media, between your other household chores while listening to me. Now, Jesus wants all of your heart. Don't offer him your leftovers. Some other speakers will probably elaborate more on this passage. But my conclusion here is, that, is this. All the three men in Luke chapter 9 have their own set of conditions, have their own excuses for following Christ. But this passage reminds us that we don't have the option of following Jesus on our own terms. When you become a Christian, discipleship is no longer an option. It is a must. This is not also for super-Christian and mature believers. It is actually basic discipleship for everyone. Yes, discipleship is not easy. That's why many believers would rather prefer to be saved only than to be a disciple. And that's why they separate the two. Someone once said that the core of discipleship is death. You die to yourself. You die to your own agenda. You die to your own priorities. You die to your own comfort, your own security, your own personal relationships. And it is dying daily to yourself. As you die daily to yourself, you start living for Christ. Brothers and sisters, God did not save you from something. He saved you for something. And that something is to make disciples. I remember during one of our trips to Nepal, we hiked this very steep mountain up to a village where we conducted a church service. After we finished the service, it's almost evening, and we started down the mountain to go back to the capital, Kathmandu. And along the mountain, I saw these little lights, like fireflies, going down the mountain. So I asked the local Nepali pastor, what are those lights? And he said, those are the lights that the church members are carrying as they walked home. I asked him, how long would they travel to get home? He told me about two to three hours in the dark, the pitch dark. My heart almost sank. I was so moved. These Nepali believers, all elderly women, mothers carrying their kids, young people, they've hiked in pitch dark black, the pitch black 
darkness for two and two to three hours one way. That's that's four to six hours two way, just so that they could hear the word of God. I remember I desperately wanted to do something more for them, give them food. Have they eaten? Don't they have? Don't they get hungry on the road? I should have shared more about the word of God, knowing that much effort was given in order to come. You know, theirs is not just a prayer of acceptance and move on with your life kind of Christianity. This is real following Jesus. These are true followers of Christ. They have hearts that truly belong to Him. They may not have the stuff of this world, but they have Jesus. And He is enough for them. And they are willing to sacrifice everything, the comfort, the relationships. They are persecuted by even their own families. The security. They are willing to sacrifice all this just to follow Christ. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus worth losing everything for? Don't waste your life in this world that you get only a few dozen years to live. Let's make our lives matter for something that will count two billion years from now. May we stand before Jesus someday saying, I have truly followed you. You know, there's a Jewish blessing. It says, may the dust of your master cover you. What it means is that as a disciple, May you walk so close behind your master that the dust from his feet would cover you because you are so close to him. And that's what we are going to do this year. That we can follow Christ so closely that his dust will cover us. Far too long have we talked about discipleship and the Great Commission. This year, it's time to do something and to do it fast, for we don't have much time as a church to do this. Now, as a response song is being played, I want you to say a simple prayer in your heart. Will you ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe some of you have never followed Jesus. Remember, He loves you so much that He died for you. Maybe some of you, you think you are a Christian, but there is no radical change in your life yet. Today is an opportunity to change that. Today is an opportunity to come back to Him. Now, I'm going to tell you how to say a simple prayer. Just three things. First, you say sorry. Sorry for the things that you have done. Second, you say thank you. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me. Third, you say, please, please come into my life or please change my life. Can we do that? By faith this mountain shall be moved And the power shall prevail for we know in Christ all things are possible 
Let us pray. Jesus, you are worth losing everything for, for you are our treasure. You are enough for us. Father, forgive us that we often put our personal comfort, our security, our personal relationships, motives, agenda above following you. Father, forgive us that far too long we have talked about discipleship and commitment but we have not truly followed you. Far too long, we have emphasized on getting people saved rather than discipling them. Far too long have we shown people how to share their faith, but we haven't taught them how to share their life. For discipleship is simply about sharing lives. Forgive us that far too long, we have known the Great Commission by heart, but we are not actually doing it. And it is time for us to do something. It is time for us to get back to what you want for New Millennium Evangelical Church. Help us to move from believing to growing to discipling and to multiplying disciples. Father, we need you to do this in us. We cannot do this alone. Holy Spirit, guide this church towards your path of discipleship. By faith, you have called us to go in the power of your Spirit to the lost to deliver captives and to preach your good news in every corner of our world. By faith, help us to achieve our goal, to disciple the nations and to finish your great commission. Help us to fix our eyes on you until you return for us. Father, thank you for giving us something to live for that is bigger than ourselves. For ultimately, it is all about you. We pray that we can live for what truly matters in our remaining days. Father, I pray for your blessing of joy, peace, love, hope, grace, good health, and success upon every member of our faith family and upon everyone who is watching right now in this coming new year. I pray that you would guide us and guide your church in this year ahead. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people say, Amen. We'll now have our communion. It is here in what we celebrate at the Lord's Supper that we can see fully and completely what the ultimate cost of discipleship entailed, and that is death on a cross. Someone once said that the core of discipleship is death. You die to yourself. 
you die to your own agenda, to your own priorities, to your own personal comfort, security. And it is daily dying. Through his life and through his death, Jesus showed us the ultimate expression and meaning of discipleship. He came to live a life that we could not live, and he died a death that we deserve to die. And at the cross, the disciples finally understood what it means to follow Jesus Christ. That's why almost all of them followed Jesus unto death. And that's true discipleship. May we also learn to follow our Lord Jesus Christ with everything that we have. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We'll now conclude with the Lord's Prayer. You can pray in English or Chinese according to your preference. For our application, you can now discuss within your family first. Are you just a convert or a true follower of Christ? You can evaluate yourself your life right now. Second, which of the three buts is your greatest hindrance to following Christ? Right now for some announcements. First, in spite of everything that has happened in 2020, there are still so many things to be thankful for. So to give you an opportunity to repay the Lord for His countless blessings, we will start receiving our New Year Thanksgiving offerings starting this week. Our goal for this year is to raise 10 million pesos. Please kindly check our Facebook page as to how you can give. Next, our New Year's retreat for our co-workers will be held this 24th of January, Sunday at 2 p.m. via Zoom. We hope that though we cannot gather together, we can still inspire and encourage each other to continue serving the Lord in whatever way we can. 
Sir, please pray for us as we are currently studying ways how we can best safely resume our physical church services and when it is the right time to do so, as there is a fear of a possible rise in new cases because of the holiday celebrations and because of the discovery of a new COVID strain, we may push back the resumption of our on-site service to sometime March or April. We'll keep you posted concerning this in the coming weeks. Free copies of our devotional material, our daily bread, are now available for our church members and regular worshipers. You may obtain a copy from Brother Lloyd Ngo at our admin office Mondays to Thursdays on non-holidays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon or from 2 to 4 p.m. Each person is allowed to receive one copy only on a first-come, first-served basis. We are sorry to announce that this year we will not be giving out free calendars due to the pandemic. Next, the COVID lockdown brought about rising suicide cases in many countries. If you have family members, relatives, or friends who are currently going through some mental, emotional, or psychological issues, you can help them by referring them to our Joyful Hope Counseling Ministry. To schedule a counseling session, uh, please visit our Facebook page and make Joyful Hope for more details. We assure you of the confidentiality of our counseling sessions as only the counselors would know your identity. They wouldn't even let me know. For our parents, if you want your children to be part of our kids' worship Zoom Sunday school classes for 4 to 12 years old, please register at our Facebook page. Check out the NMEC Kids Worship on Facebook for details and updates. If your children are in their teenage years, we hope that you can encourage them to join our Engage Youth Fellowship on Saturdays. If you yourself are in high school or in college, please connect with Pastors Danny and Jaya for more details. If you want to be part of a discipleship group or a small group, contact any of our pastoral team members and we will connect you to a group. If you have prayer concerns, you can call or text any of our pastoral staff and we will be more than glad to pray for you. If you have friends or relatives who would prefer to tune in to our Mandarin worship services, then check out the Zoom link on our Facebook page or on our Viber group. I want to say a big thank you to all our co-workers who helped make our online worship every Sunday possible. To everyone who is serving, volunteering, giving, and praying for the church, I also want to express my gratitude. If you wish to participate in serving and giving to God's kingdom work through us, just check out our Facebook page, New Millennium Evangelical Church, for details. Lastly, we encourage you to follow our Facebook page. You can share our post with your friends and your, with your family. And please also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you for worshiping with us on this first Sunday of the year. May the Lord bless and keep you this new year. 
May His face continue to shine upon you and may He be gracious to you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the encouragement and comfort of the Holy Spirit be upon us all. See you soon. Remember, the best is yet to come.